welcome to Conversations About Life. Thanks, Dan, for being my guest. My guest today is Dan John. So Dan John, he is um, from the world of lifting and throwing, and also uh, Dan has a background in uh, religious studies and theology and teaches. Um, But Dan, just reading from your website, Dan, you've completed in the highest levels of Olympic Games and Highland Games, and you hold an American record and something I probably can't say and pronounce just right. The weight. Okay. And um, you give workshops around the world. You write books and you host the Dan uh, John podcast. You also yep. work with private clients. Constantly. Yeah. It's, it's a good career, man. Yeah. Well, great. Um, so I've been, you know, listening to your podcast for a while. I've been aware of you for a while. Not that I'm really an athlete, but I'm just kind of a, person interested in fitness. And I've appreciated um, not only you as a coach, but um, you seem to be a type of person who kind of um, gives thought to life and so forth. And I guess maybe I get that some from your, um, you know, being, um, having a religious education and having, I guess, an interest um, in that type of thing. And plus, um, more than just, um, coaching advice, you know, you, um, talk about life a little bit about the importance of, um, relationships and, um, you know, social connection and the importance of flossing your teeth and, you know, things along those lines. So, um, so anyway, I guess just to kind of get started, um, now this is really going to be broad and just kind of plunge us right into the the thick of it. But as I was thinking about just what to ask you, um, I just thought maybe I'd throw this out um, for you. Just what is life all about? I know that's like a, a big first question, but. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Joseph Campbell's asked that he goes, you know, when, when you, when you cut the grass, does it say, Oh, what the hell? And just stop. You know, and I've always liked that answer because, you know, you, you get down to it, you know, your your mitochondria want to stick around. And so they they drive you to do things like eat and sleep so they can be around. And uh, so it's 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 you can go as base as you want to on this question. Your job is to, you know, live, procreate, you know, uh, fertilize a couple times a day, uh, you know, a water, a uh, consume things, get consumed, and uh, move along. And I mean, that's the, neither of those answers works very well. I think uh, when you're at the funeral of somebody, you know, that's those are those those don't don't cause anyone to pause and reflect. I don't think. Um, what's it all about, Alfie? Is is a tough question because you know there are days where you know when you're running on all cylinders and you know, that you hit every, you get all nothing but green lights on the way to, on the commute and you get in there and someone's left you a hot cup of coffee at your desk and everything just is rosy. And then there's other days where, you know, life just punches you in the face. And uh, I think, I think in the, in the biggest sense of things is that, uh, 
I do think humans, and I could be wrong. <laughs> I I do think that humans are called upon to, uh, you know, kind of be stewards of, uh, of this earth and, you know, to protect and care for certain things, to allow certain things to happen. And I honestly, since I, 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 in my lifetime, we've been the opposite as, as, as a communal group and it's disappointing. So I don't know, that's a tough one. And I wish I had more of a box. If I, if you'd have prepped me out of giving you a box to answer, uh, for that question, but I, I don't mind the answer I gave you because it, it's how I feel on this particular day at this particular time. And right. I was, you know, uh, had a conversation with my daughter Kelly last night for a long time. And when she walked away, I thought, man, my legacy is okay. <laughs> you know, so you just never know. Of course, there's been other days where I've wondered about it. So there you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into, you know, religious um, studies and theology? Did, did you always have that interest or? Um... Well, I think, it's, you know, well, I think it's the way my brain works. Uh, you know, when I was in high school, and I've talked about this before, but Mr. Sautel used to give me special tests with in geometry. And he used to ask me to prove every proof two different ways, you know, the given to prove these two triangles are congruent or, you know, whatever. And uh, my brain worked really well in geometry. My brain, uh, you give me givens and I can, I can work with whatever you want from there. Uh, I like rules. I like uh, angle A is the angle B. I love that stuff. Well, geometry is the foundation of philosophy. Uh, Aristotle famously said, you know, if you don't understand geometry, don't come in the doors, you know, at the academy. And philosophy is the foundation of theology. And I always found, and by the way, geometry is the foundation of weightlifting. What equipment do you have? What do you want to do? Now we can talk. Biggest issue I have when people ask me for advice, they they don't know what they want. They don't know where they're going. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there, right? That's kind of the that, that's kind of the great tradition. So, the way my brain brain works, whether it's uh, a gift or if it's just the way I'm wired, I don't know. But when when we would do things in theology, I always found myself very comfortable, even even in multi uh, religious groups. I was always comfortable because. I would always make sure when someone's answering a question, I reminded myself what their, you know, what their foundational beliefs were. And, uh, and that really helped me. And it always kept me clear. And yeah, I, I don't get confrontational because I understand everyone's basic, you know, at, at some level, I understand most people's basic, you know, what are your givens? In fact, Will, if I was to ask everybody in your audience, the, the number one question I would ask is, what are your givens? What are the things that you think are unchangeable foundations? And here's the nice thing about givens. If I say point A to point B is a line, by definition it is, A to B is a line. And whether or not that is, but that's my given. This is how we start. I accept whatever you tell me. So if I'm sitting between a Hindu and a, and a, and a Muslim at a, at a workshop, I'm fine. I'm not going to argue with them about what their givens are on the number of gods. 
I am just going to be, I'll sit there, <laughs> kind of like in the big Lebowski, just sitting here enjoying my coffee. <laughs> I'm just, I'm fine because I, from your givens, this is your answer. From your givens, this is your answer. And it helps a lot. Now, the thing I do call people out on is when they, when they break from that. You know, when that, that is something that bothers me uh, a little bit. Uh, and most people don't see the own contradictions in all their beliefs. And I'm not just talking about theological, you know, what you do on Sunday, Saturday, or Friday. I'm also talking about what you do in your, your health, nutrition, fitness, longevity, body composition issues, the race, the way you're raising your kids. Most people f flounder when they're, they're, they don't always structure their behaviors based on what they told you an hour ago. Mm -hmm. I'll do anything to lose weight. Well, I'd like you to cut back on calories and maybe go for a walk now and again. Ooh, what do you mean by calorie? Well, you knew yesterday when you told me that a Reese's peanut butter bar had 400 calories. Suddenly you forgot overnight. Uh, most people, I, I talk about this a lot, and especially with my inner circle. And this weekend I did a workshop in New Jersey. And the reason I use 20 out of 20 is important. 20 out of 20 people know what to do. 20 out of 20 people know they should sleep eight or nine hours every night. 20 out of 20 people know they should floss. 20 out of people eat vegetables at every meal, eat protein, drink water, go for a walk, be nice to your neighbor, clean up after yourself. You know, if you take it out, put it back. You know, uh, everything I learned about life, I learned in kindergarten kind of thing, right? Right. One out of 20 people does it. One out of 20 Americans exercise on a regular basis. One out of 20 Americans retire with enough income that they don't need any help. One out of 20. When we all graduate from high school, we're all given the same, almost the same. The playing field in America isn't exactly level, but it's pretty good level. It's a pretty good level. You know, it's not like some places I've been in the world. But only one out of 20 people does things. And... How people go from the no to the go is the mystery. My, <laughs> that gets us right back to our first question. Everybody knows certain things, but no one goes. The no versus the ghost. Uh, when I die, God's going to ask me to dinner. It'd be nice. That's the number one question I ask. Why did you give people all these ideas, but no ability to follow up on them? You know, what was that? Some kind of like joke or something like that? You know, everybody knows, but few people go, you know? You know, you mentioned givens, like those really foundational type of things. So for you, like what is the most foundational given and, you you know, or the, the thing that just seems like the most real, undeniable type of thing? That's what uh, Father Dan Derry, I'll, I'll, I'll say his whole thing. It was his annual uh, New Year's homily. He said it every New Year's. Life is short. Death is certain. Hell is forever. Okay. Now, the hell thing people can argue about, I mean, and I'm fine with that. But life is short. Death is certain. It, to me, is foundational. Right. It's hard to argue with that. <laughs> well, I, no, I mean, here's the funny thing. If I say all three parts of what Father Dan Derry said, people get upset. If I say the first two things, people are like, what's, about, what's that supposed to mean? Yeah, I know. Because 19 out of 20 people hear that, and it all it means, 
I had someone ask me the other night if I had seen the most recent edition of a show called The Connors. It's a reboot of the Roseanne Barr show. And I looked at this person aghast, I tell you, aghast, Will. I'm not sure what the word aghast means, but it's a good ex- word to use in this example. Who watches shows like that? Who wastes 30 minutes? And they watch it on network. So there's commercials there too. This same person doesn't have time to work out, but they knew what was going on in a show. I mean, and I guess it's great. Okay, it's the greatest show of all time. It won all the Academy Awards. The Connors. I I just, you know, but you don't do. And you let those 30 minutes frizzle away, frizzle away. And then one day, you're sitting there and you think, none of my children or grandchildren visit me. I'm in this home and my life is so sad. I wish I'd had more time in life. And then you die. Well, that was negative, but a good point. It was negative, but it was a good point. Mm-hmm. You know, how many, how many sitcoms would you want to have all those hours of watching sitcoms that you'd want to have back, you know, at any tragedy, any tragedy. So it sounds like a pretty practical approach to life. Um, like when I think of like a, a given or like a foundational thing, I, I think of something like, um, well, the morality, like there's right and there's wrong. And that's just as real as like this table right in front of me, even though you can't see it, you know, or something along those lines. But it sounds like you're, you know, you're, um, way of thinking about things like that. It's more of um, just kind of a practical uh, nature of just you say right and wrong, right? Yeah. So the same people who tell me they're pro-life also have machine guns. Why yeah. do you have machine guns in your house? I ask my neighbor. Well, if the big one hits, I wouldn't prepare it. So you're, you're pro-life, but if the big one hits, you're going to machine gun your, your, your hungry neighbors. I hope it doesn't come to that. Frankly, uh, I, I hope it doesn't come to that either. Yeah. But my point is, you if you're going to machine gun gun your neighbors because they're hungry, let's re, let's let's have a whole other conversation. So who's right on that one? Um. So um, you know that could be something that's like worked out. But the thing is that we're assuming that there is a right, and that there is something underneath it to base, like to argue and work out what's right or wrong. But so it's not so much um, like a given is like, this is right. And that's wrong. It's just that there, there is definitely things aren't just arbitrary. You can't just go do whatever you want. There's definitely some things are wrong and some things that are definitely right and so forth, you know? And we all say that and we all nod we all, agree, you know, no one disagrees with you on that. Yeah. That's, isn't that nice how you said that? So my little brothers, my brothers went off to Vietnam. And what, what do you remember why we went to Vietnam? Do you remember the, the good reason we went there? Um, yeah, thank you. The fact <laughs> that you couldn't instantly say something. I just yeah. read this article that, that really, it's a, the guy who, if you get a chance, it's on CNN. It's quite good. And I'm looking forward to the guy's book. It's the, the 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 interpreter who had all the conversation with Saddam Hussein, and he's the one who, and Saddam Hussein him became kind of friends. They, and they and he said, "I I don't you don't have to tell me anything, 
but just don't lie to me. Show me some respect. We can talk about soccer. We can talk about anything you want. And uh, when you when you hear the article, you'll realize that our response to 9-11 was to attack a country that had nothing to do with it. So the young man who died, and 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 so I deal with a lot of I deal with a lot of people who's got PTSD. Um, a good friend of mine right now is struggling, um, and let's hope what happens to him doesn't. I've had a number of friends choose to take their own lives hmm. because it's so hard for them to deal with with the the, the issues that that we. <sighs> so is it right to kill someone in a war now? If we go back to the great tradition, uh, just war theory, there's there's three reasons to do it. Uh, you know, to protect life, protect property, and and to help a, an a, a, an underpowered third party. But I've I've watched Will. I've watched my brothers. Uh, yeah, I was only what Ray came home from Vietnam. I was in the third grade. Gary, I was in the sixth grade, so I wasn't—I wasn't yet too. I didn't have great clarity yet on right and wrong, like some of your listeners. But watching them, you know, deal with the night terrors, you know, as a ten-year-old—I mean, you—you you, so that—that's where my mind goes when people want to talk about rights and wrongs. I. I mean, obviously you shouldn't steal from a grocer, you know, mm-hmm. but is it okay for a pharmacy to, you know, jack up the prices of insulin medicine a thousand times? Well, you can go to jail for stealing from a grocer. Nothing will happen to you if you jack up the prices of prescriptions. What's the difference in the big picture? They're both stealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One had better lawyers. I didn't mean to go negative. Didn't mean to go dark. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. No problem at all. Yeah. Um, so I know relationship, like just social connection and things like that seems to be important just from listening to you and so forth. Um, so what have you learned, you know, through along the way about relationships, about, um, you know, making the most of it, nourishing relationships or just anything along those lines? Sure. The biggest lesson I've learned in my life is is the, is the training system we use. It's called intentional community. Uh, and I am a huge believer in this thing we call intentional community. Several times a year, I'll cook a turkey here at my house and I'll invite anybody who wants. Uh, you know, it's uh, come to the banquet. You know, uh, no one can make it. Invite, the, invite anybody you want. And uh, I cook a turkey and we have practice Thanksgivings. And there's no reason for it, except that I want people to come together, have a couple hours to sit sit around. No television is allowed. Uh, the only music I, I usually I'll have like bossa nova music, some soft backroom background jazz music or bossa nova. Right. And no TV. Uh, we used to play games a couple hours after, and we still kind of do that a little bit. Uh, card games, you know, you know, just board games and stuff. But we just sit and. We eat a meal together and then we just sit and we talk and people get up and change tables and chairs and conversations slide around. You, you, you do more than just catch up. 
you catch up and you pick up and you and you get going, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my gym, every day at 9.30, people from literally all around the world come to my house. Uh, they come in. Uh, I, the first thing I do with you, Will, is I say, what are you working on? And you might say, well, I'm working on this, which means we're all working on this with you because, you know, you're our guest. And whatever you want to work on, we'll work on. And we might hate what you want to do, but we're going to do it with you because we are there for a reason. And the reason is all of us get a little bit better. And if you need to work on a certain thing, I know that it's not going to hurt me to work on it too. So that's how I, that's how I see so much of life is getting together on purpose, getting together for a purpose. And uh, it's, it's my it's what draws me to everything. I did a workshop in uh, New Jersey this weekend. And my flight, because of where I was, I wasn't going to get home till almost midnight last night. But I have a trivia team, and my daughters are on it, and you know some other friends, and so every Monday night. And so I rescheduled my flight. I had to get up at really, really, really early in the morning. And don't forget, I'm on mountain time and this is East Coast time plus daylight savings time. <laughs> so I bear, I mean, I was struggling. Got into a one and a half hour Uber ride to get to the airport so I could be home in time to be on my trivia team. Why? Why would someone do that? Because every Monday night, my daughters, myself, some friends, we get together in community and play trivia together I drink uh, whatever the diet, I think it's Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi at this place. And um, some, sometimes I eat dinner, sometimes I don't. I, I don't know. But we come together because we're a trivia team. But really, there's only, what, 36, 37 questions at the most. And we're there for three hours, but it's a chance. Like last night, I talked to my daughter for about 20 minutes about this this difficult couple of years we've gone through. And that's what it's all about, man. Hmm. So for me, you know, the common union is what's, is to me the foundational part. It's funny because the person who told me intentional community uh, was an atheist. Mm -hmm. And I talked to him and I didn't want to use the word common union to say it the same way, but it is the same thing. We are united for some common cause. And I think it's the highest level of being human. Yeah. That's good. Um, so, you know, it, I noticed at the bottom of your email signature, you have these different maxims. And I guess that's what I call them, like maxims, just kind of things to remember, sayings for life. Yeah. Um, so are there, like, what's the, the thing that you um, – you, you tell yourself every day, is there any particular um, maxim or thing that you just keep in mind that helps you, yes. that guides you throughout your your days? Well, there's two. I mean, one is my motto, but the, the thing, the, the guiding line in my life is make a difference. Okay. That's, yeah. So it is. Uh, and the funny thing you mentioned that. Somebody asked me if I could summarize my six decades in the weight room with uh, 50 words. And I'm pretty sure they wanted, you know, push, pull, hinge, squat, you know, curl, you know, deadlift. And I, and I wrote that little. So that's six decades of training 
in 50 words. Okay. And, and make a difference is so every day I tried, I just try at some basic level either to make someone's day better or life better or whatever. And sometimes, I mean, I don't know if I do or don't every day. I have no idea. And it's funny because when you think you're really doing some great stuff, you, often you don't. <laughs> but every, and I mean, if this podcast maybe helps somebody, uh, that's great. I did, a, we have this thing here called Radio West. It's this big public, um, public radio show about a, an hour every day. And I was on it one time to talk about uh, Faust. And uh, it was interesting because Doug Fabrizio, who's the, the host, he he's kind of, he he's a host. So he, he knows a lot of stuff, but he, he knows a lot of stuff, but no, no depth. You know, he knows that. So he, he loves, and I'm not ripping on you, Doug, if you listen to this. Uh, and he loves, he loves like this Gnostic gospel stuff. And, and, and he, and he asked me it on the show and I said, well, I think they're kind of nonsense, but which didn't start the show off well, but he asked me if I could, you know, just say anything about Faust. And I said, you know, here's the interesting thing is that the devil Mephistopheles, the bad guy in the stories shows up and, and he, and, and the protagonist says, who are you? What's your name? He goes, I am the spirit that says no. And I, and I said it with Doug there and I said, and he had this look on his face like, you know, this, the whole, they were, it was on radio, so he's doing the hand gesture. And I go, oh, the spirit who says no, you're not good looking enough. So get go get plastic surgery. You're, 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 you're fat. So go take diet pills. Uh, you're, you're this. So, you know, get, hide this, add that. Anybody who says no to you in life, is the spirit of evil. When they say you're not good enough, you're not, you're not beloved, you're not kind enough. That's Mephistopheles. And I got to tell you, man, during the break, it was one of those like uncomfortable, like two minutes. Cause it's like, that's what I feel. I think those, if you go out of your way to treat, treat people like sex objects, uh, demean people with uh, any kind of disability, uh, make fun or poke fun at anybody who is, is, is not, it, 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 when you tell everybody you're the smartest person in the room, when you let everybody know that, uh, you know, you, you, you have it right and they have it wrong. I think you're starting to act like the spirit who says no. And I think one of the things about making a difference is you never know that maybe all I have, maybe all I do in a day sometime is just tell somebody you're doing fine. I do that a lot in my podcast. I often tell people on questions, you're doing fine. Hmm. And I got to tell you, I've gotten more feedback from telling somebody you're doing all right. You know, I'm a firefighter who works 24 hours off on and 72 hours off. I'm having a hard time staying in shape because I'm exhausted constantly. Dude, you're doing fine. Mm -hmm. That's a terrible schedule for a human to put themselves on. You know, losing a night's sleep every four days. That's, that's terrible for you. You're doing fine. You're, you're doing a job. You're keeping it up. You're making a difference. And that's sometimes all people need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to make a difference in someone's life that, um, that almost just seems like a, 
uh, you know, a different phrasing of the the golden rule, I think it's called, or um, in everything do unto others, she would have them do unto you, you know. Well, it, it truly is, yeah. And, of course, the second you flip it, that's the spirit that says no. Treat me better than I treat you. So you're in religion. Uh, what's your experience of God like? Um, for example, I mean, um, uh, you know, this might not be the time for this. Well, I'm going through the worst couple of years of my life, but we'll talk. But I just, I'm just, I'm just warning you. Okay. This is not to get too deep will be hard for me emotionally, but I'm just as a warning. Okay. So sure. Go yeah. Well, um, but go ahead and ask. I'll sure. Do yeah. I'm just asking, you know, um, God is personal, but, um, and yet we don't experience God in the same way we experience other persons because, you know, we don't experience him with our senses and so forth, you know, like someone we see right in front of us. So my question is, you know, just what is your experience of God like, you know, is there, um, is it uh, more than uh, just kind of reading a, about studying him? Is there some kind of uh, relational thing? And what's, yeah. can you describe it kind of? That's uh, been tough. Um, you know, as a scholar, it, it's pretty easy because, you know, you, you, you keep everything, you know, you keep shielded, you keep armor on it as a scholar. Uh yeah. What Gandhi said, you know, you know, about Christians, I always thought was good about what I, I won't be able to say it correctly, but uh, if I, if I ever want, you know, what was it? I ever met someone who acted like a Christian, I would follow them or something like that. It was something along those lines, but uh, hmm. I'll, tell you, I'll just tell you a quick story. I, I've been going through the dark night of the soul. Well, okay. I already ruined the story right there. I was on my way to Florida last year. I just needed a break. I was going to go for a two-month vacation in Florida. And uh, first night, I drove out. First night stopped in Aurora. And I'm sitting at a bar, at the, at the hotel bar. Sometimes uh, sometimes you travel, the only places you can eat are hotel bars. And that's fine. Sitting next to, him, a guy, next to a guy, he orders a Guinness. And I always think that's a good sign, uh, being a Utah. Um, and so we're watching, like, the Louisville-Memphis game or something like that. And he just looks over and he goes, you're going through the dark night of the soul. Now, I just met him. Hmm. Yeah. And I said, yeah. Um, yeah. He goes, I'm sorry. I'm a psychic. And of course, you know, right, whatever. Yeah. Hang on. So we just start to talk and he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a psychic. And we, we have, in fact, we have a nice conversation. He's a good dude. And he goes, I just got to tell you a couple things. First off, the whole time I've been with lift, it, it seems like you have this massive weight, but instead of getting it off your chest, you're trying to put it over your head. And I go, well, I'm an Olympic lifter. I, 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 I weight lifted. He goes, okay, that's it. Then he says something, and this is the key. Sorry about the whole boring story, but stick with me. The oddest thing is it's like you're, I feel like your father is on your left shoulder. Well, my father died in 1991. So I said, okay, nice meeting you. And we, we head off. Well, the hurricanes are just destroying Florida as I'm driving across the country. And so I go visit my nieces, go to a football game with them. So fun. Uh, my nephews go to a football game. It's so fun. 
And I can't go to Florida because the place I'm going to stay at is underwater. So I decided to go up to where my dad's from to, to visit a friend of mine, Lonnie, and some of my family members. To do that, I had to take a, a left turn, okay? So I went to the neighborhood. I, I went to the town, Island Pond, Vermont, where my dad grew up. And there's a road there called Arthur John Road. My name is Daniel Arthur John. Uh, it's named after my uncle, who I'm named after. And I swam in the waters. My dad swam in. I hung out on a street. So after my mom died, my dad moved back and, and he died. So my, my dad died on Pleasant Street. My grandmother died on Pleasant Street. And all my dad's family are buried on Pleasant Street. And I kept telling people, you know, if I die, get me to Pleasant Street as fast as you can, you know. And of all the things in my life, and I mean this, it was the most, whatever you want to mean is spiritual, whatever you think spiritual means. And I've been, I mean, I've, I've held my babies. I mean, I've almost lost, both of them are fine, but, you know, things happen. Lindsay almost drowned one time and I was able to save her, thankfully. I mean, I just reached down and found her. It was just, it was a last chance, literally, to find her. Wow. And that was a spiritual moment of its own kind. But by far, my trip to Island Pond, Vermont in the fall was the most spiritual thing I've done in my entire life. I've climbed Mount Sinai. I've been to every holy place in Israel. I've watched people die. I've saved two people at the Heimlich Maneuver. Um, I was the first on, first on scene twice, and I was with people on their last breaths. But that was the most spiritual thing I ever did. I felt like my father was doing his best to help me deal with the, the, the tragedies of the last four years of my life. So, yeah. So for me, when you, when you talk about now, here's the thing <laughs> you could also call in, you know, one of your call, none of that ever happened. He just, you know, this, he sat next to a lunatic who said, your father's on your left side, the end. And he went to Vermont, nothing to it. And I'm, and, and I can understand why he'd say that. Others would probably say, oh, my God, and get chills in their spine. And, you know, that's fine, too. But for me, for me, that's the way God has always acted in my life. You know, you go, you know, you go out the left door instead of the right door and the whole your whole life changes. It's those little nudges, you know. Uh, you know, one of the old great traditions is... It, yeah, you know, I've had, in fact, I live in Utah. So back in the day, a good friend of mine was a Mormon missionary and he was telling me about how they used to do this thing where they would knock on the door and they would say, uh, we can prove our church is true. And of course, the response to faith is, well, if you can prove it, you don't need faith. Faith, faith is a gift, you see. Microscopes are prudent in an emergency. <laughs> and the old Emily Dickinson poem, you know. Uh, Faith is a fine invention, you see, but microscopes are prudent in an emergency. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so if you if you need to prove your faith, you you probably don't if you probably don't have it. 
And sometimes you just have to sit at a bar and someone says your dad's on your left shoulder and you take a left turn and you swim in a lake and you feel yourself get healed. Hmm. Um. Hmm. So my, um, this is kind of interesting because, you know, and just jotting down some notes, my next question was like, why Christian? Um, and, um, you were just mentioning about the matter of like not being able to, you know, um, you know, maybe it's not so important to be able to prove, you know, that you're right, I suppose. But um, I guess, but but it is, no matter how the decision is made, you know, it is a, a decision. So why is that your um, religious um, kind of tradition, religious faith, um, rather than, um, you know, something other, I guess, like what's attractive to you about it? Or is it just well, kind of what yes. you've always been in? There's this guy named Jesus of Nazareth, who is a completely misunderstood character in literature. Uh, what people, I tell you, man, these people who thump on the Bible and then say these other things, I know you never read. You know, there's, you know, I, I got actually had a student complain to the university because I stressed that uh, Christian students uh, should really follow what Jesus said in Matthew 25 and. She said, that's not what Paul said. And she quoted all this other stuff from Paul. And I thought, well, okay, I, you know, Paul's great. No, oh, you know, he was a, he was a runner, and which is good. Track and field, <laughs> you know, uh, the only sport mentioned in the Bible and uh, is it, it specifically is the discus throw, of course, which, which I did my whole life. Uh, but Jesus is very clear, you know, you feed the hungry, you, know, you give drink to the thirsty, you know, you clothe the naked, you and it's these things you're supposed to do. And um, and when I think when people start to do those kinds of things, uh, they usually get beat up for being, you know, what, what is the thing they now say, woke or, or well, 50 years ago, if you decided to feed the hungry, they call you a communist. And now you're called woke. And it's like, but it's very clear. It's how we treat each other that, this 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 rabbi from Nazareth was talking about. Yeah, it's very clear. Okay, so that's the the thing that makes Christianity attractive to you, like but the. It's, but it's true in every faith tradition, also. Right. It's true in every faith tradition. Uh, I'm, you know, I, you know, the the thing the thing I think that Christianity, at least in my vision. I don't know how well aware you are of the, the Western tradition of the green man. Uh, the green man is, oh, if you, go to a, uh, if you go to any kind of cathedral and look inside the wood carvings, you'll see a little face. If you know the story, do you know the story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight? Um, no, I've, I've heard of those names, but no, I don't know the story off the top of my head anyway. So if you chop the green knight's head off, he puts it over his shoulder and he says, I'll see you in a year. Under his shoulder, see in the year. Well, the green man is a motif in Western in Western thinking that I think is completely underappreciated. Uh, uh, in the uh, you know, one of the ways to look at the if you go back to Genesis, there's this thing called the tree of life. Okay, 
Mm-hmm. And in the Catholic tradition, the crucifix is the tree of life. And Jesus is the fruit of the tree of life. And what do you have to do with fruit to get more, more fruit back? You have to bury it, and it grows back up. So Jesus Christ is the green man. Okay. And I, I know it's an odd thing, but to say it, to, to, to use to say it that way. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, I've always felt that the way my brain works, the way my education works, Christianity uh, uh, is the a very appropriate way that ties into the way I see the the world. But it, but if I was little. Danny John from Calcutta, I'd be saying something different. If I was little Danny John from some other part of the world, I'm at some other planet, I might be saying something different also. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, I, I don't have a, yeah, I try to stay away from little cheapisms when I talk about theology. You know, um, I, 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 I try I try very hard to be, you know, you know, uh, you can know a lot, but then you got to go. You got to know and go in theology too. If that makes, you can't just know something. You got to do something too. I think that's what you're called to do. I could be wrong. Right. To, uh, um, I guess I'm, you're talking about like, you know, uh, being a doer of the word. I think that's uh a line yeah. somewhere in James, well, I think maybe. But, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the joke we have in Utah, you pray on Sundays, so you can pray on your neighbors all week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, I'm a, yeah, it's, it's, and uh, remember how unpopular James was because of the whole thing. You know, he's very clear. You, you, know, you can't just sit around, smoke cigarettes and tell people how good you are. You got to go do something. Mm-hmm. I don't think he says smoke cigarettes. I, 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 right. Um, so, you know, are there any kind of uh, spiritual practices that are just especially meaningful or nourishing to you? Um, or is it, you know, I guess it besides just the typical things that we do as Christians, like, um, well, you know, again, it, it we get we get into Occam's razor a little bit with a lot of people. They go to church for an hour every Sunday, and then they, and, and they'll do the and they'll do this. There's some you know the little ejaculations. You know, they're called ejaculations. Those quick little, mm-hmm. you know, God save us. You know those kinds of things. You know, and that and that's great. But for me, I, I keep trying to take it to deeper and deeper and deeper levels. You know, um, I've had a tough couple of years, and in December I got hit with a double dose. And then I didn't know it at the time, but my dog, his name is Sirius Black. He's a great dog. Picked up Jardia, okay? And uh, I had, there was a almost two-day period where he just panted constantly. And I, I'd have to pick him up and carry him outside to go to the bathroom. And, get, and, and I just basically sat down to him and I said, you know, I can't take this anymore. You know, and I said, if you're not better tomorrow, then, you know, He's an old dog. He's a very old dog. And mm-hmm. uh, I said, it might be time to, uh, it might be time for you to, you know, because the, the, a good owner takes the dog in a little earlier than a little later. You know, that's what my vet told me. 
Well, it got me thinking about my favorite Old Testament book, the book of Tobit. Now, I know some people don't have it in their versions, but in the book of Tobit, it's exactly how I think God works. Uh, Sarah's having problems with this demon named Amadeus. Uh, Tobit and Tobias are having their own. So Tobit keeps getting punished for doing the right thing. That's why I love the book. Mm-hmm. The king says, I'm executing these people. Tobit buries them. He, king says, you can't bury the, the people I execute. Tobit keeps burying them, gets thrown in jail, goes, gets blinded. Wife is in his kid. Okay, so everyone... God sends down Raphael, Raphael, the great archangel. Well, Raphael has a dog and Raphael and the dog go around and they, every, it's the happiest ending in all of scripture. It's everybody gets what they want. Everybody's happy. Raphael is the patron of health and fitness. And so while my dog is dying, the book of Tobit story just starts roaring through my head. And I'm like, <sighs> okay, I have a gym. A gym by by law has to have a dog. My dog is serious black. And I said, Raphael, man, help me out here. And so part of, part of my theology is the fact that I, <laughs> in one of the lowest periods of my life, and make it getting even lower with my dog, I was able to sniff in and out a few times, ask for help. I got it. And Sirius looks better now than he did five years ago. He's back to being. And hmm. everybody at the gym is so happy. In fact, he has a worldwide audience because he always shows up in my podcasts just to, you know, make his cameos, you know. Yeah. So I, so I would say what I do a little bit different is uh, my, the, my grandmother was native American. So I think I have a little bit of native American Abenaki tribe, a little bit of native American spirituality when it comes to things like how you plant and grow your garden every year. I also think I have a great, I have a lot more respect for angels than most people. I know the messengers of God, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, those would be, those would be, and then I try not to be a total jerk. Mm-hmm. You know, if you believe something different, I'm fine with it. If you don't believe, I'm fine with it. If you're not sure, I'm fine with that too. You know, I'm not here to, I'm not here to, the last thing a lot of people need is more judgment. But I tell you what I will judge people is when they tell me that they're literalists in the Bible and are covered with tattoos. That really upsets me. <laughs> Or they do these other things that are just so, or they'll just take these little snippets and they just, that's what they believe. That drives me crazy. If you're going to go in, go all in. If you're, if, that, that's the tough one. Um, all right. Well, kind of uh, turning a little bit maybe toward some thoughts about fitness. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this is still a little bit on the philosophical line, though. You know, we got these bodies, and as we age, you know, they're kind of going downhill. They're crumbling away. It's just kind of seems like um, just really 
thought-provoking, just profound thing that we're in these bodies that are just going to crumble away literally into the dust. And we're going to ride that out unless something happens more sudden than that. But um, what um, I'm just kind of wondering about like an attitude, you know, a, a fitness type of attitude that can just kind of ride along parallel with that um, in those latter years. I mean, people don't know what's going to happen. They might be laid up, um, you know, uh, break a hip, not be able to get out of a chair, whatever it might be. But um, it seems like there might be something better um, than just being resigned to being Immobile, perhaps. I don't, I don't know. There's no secret. We've known this for generations. It's called lifespan versus health span. There's no yeah. question. A lifespan, you know, you kind of go like that. Okay, we know that. Mm-hmm. Some new research in AARP has been very good about pushing this, is that lifespan goes like this. And if you make the decision to exercise about here, mm-hmm. You actually can get yourself back into a new level of health span. Uh, I volunteer at the uh, the senior center here in town, which is funny because I'm 65, and a lot of the people I train are in their 50s. And often I'll get them I'll push back from them. Well, I'm 58. You don't know what it's like. And I go, you know, you're right. I don't know what it's like to be 58. I only know what it's like to be 65. I do, you know, and. One of the things you can do is, is okay, and we're picking up here. When my hands are here, we're picking up probably at about 25, okay? Um, if you choose to get stronger, lift weights, do whatever it needs to take, and get your walking in, you bump up your health span. You are stronger than normal. So as you decline, you stay high, 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 high. And I do like Rob Wolf's great insight, you know, live long, drop dead. Uh, that's kind of what I want to do. Both my parents exhibited that. I was able to see my mom just before she died. She died the October 2nd. I think I had to go back to school September 30th or 31st. So I saw her two days before she died. Uh, she had uh, cancer. And uh, her last words to me were, get out of here. So I started to cry. Uh, and my dad died very quickly also. He um, he stood up to change the television set 11 years after my mom and died. Um, that's the way, that's the that's how I want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, watching uh, Tiffany, uh, uh, Kelly and Lindsay's mom is Tiffany, watching her have her last years. And then of course she, she died December uh, 11th uh, from a fall, you know, watching her, her, her decline because of her health was brutal. Two months after Tiffany died, uh, her mom died of ALS, you know, Lou, Lou Gehrig's. And that death is a slow, horrid one, a tough one, you know, it's very difficult. And, um, now that I'm basically kind of it for my daughters, um, my fitness now, my fitness and my longevity become very real uh, because I am, I'm their parent. And um, 
you know, they've, they've lost, they've lost two grandparents, one parent. And, you know, I, I, I don't need to be there. They're big kids that they're, they're, they'll be okay. But I sure don't, I want to be around for them for a while. So when I go out in the, in the weight room, like I did this morning and get my front squats and my snatches and my swings and my pull-ups in, I do that so that I'm more up here than down. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I have a moral ob- obligation to stay in shape? Well, I mean, if you look at the resources, if you've ever around, been around late-term care, the amount of resources poured into people who didn't give a uh, dang about their health for 70 years or 50 years breaks your heart. So we're pouring all this money into a person who didn't who didn't care for all that time, and and at the same time, you know, we got kids not eating breakfast here in the state of Utah because their parent, you know, I I just so it does become a moral thing. It does. It slides right over into it. You know, anytime you talk about resources, it becomes moral. Yeah. So I think I think I owe it to my children and my grandchildren. I have three. To, to, to be a, a good example about the way we go versus some other ways. Right. And I've heard you um, mention before, um, like taking care when it comes to a fall, because that's kind of like the thing that could keep, that could really derail one's fitness routine. And um, so there's things like that, that a person um, should take, you know, care about, um, so that they can continue strength training or walking or whatever it might be. But, you know, there might, you know, come a time where, you know, something inevitable, you know, something might happen, which would um, um, just really, you know, throw one off the tracks as far as like uh, just, uh, you know, a fitness routine, um, Mm -hmm. cancer or, you know, a, a fall or something along those lines. But, um, so I guess ideally it's, I like your, what you're shooting for, you know, to live long and then drop dead. I think is how you put it. <laughs> live long, drop dead. That's uh, yeah. Rob Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's, um, I, you know, I, there's a proverb. I can kind of remember, um, something about a, um, you know, a broken um, body or something like that, you know, someone can endure that, but no one can endure a broken spirit or or something along those lines. So when a person is derailed or, um, or or something along those lines, you have any thoughts about um, uh, suffering well (laughs) or (laughs) um, not allowing that uh, spirit to be broken in the midst, you know, Again, you know, it's 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 like uh, it's like baking. It's all in the preparation. You know, yeah. I think I think too many people are into grilling now. You know, you 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 turn the thing on and you throw the meat on. Uh, baking is a better. So you know, as you go through life, you know, get good ingredients. Take your time. You got to let everything. You, if you're baking a cake, you got to let it rise a little bit. You know, you got to take time and and then you throw it in the oven. Um, I, I think you develop that 
over decades, not days. Hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you can turn uh, turn things around. But one of the things I've always told my athletes, you know, as a coach, I, I remember telling this one kid, you know, he had a, something happened in the state football game. Who cares, you know? And I said, if that's the worst thing that ever happens in your life, you're going to have such a great life. If the worst thing that ever happened to you is you drop the ball in a state championship game, who cares? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good life. That's it. That's the worst thing. You don't lose a child. You don't get divorced. You don't suffer, you know, young deaths. You you skate through life. That's that's a good life. So I always tell people to embrace those small stumbles where you get back up in life. And you, I think it's called asceticism, but I think you need to practice. Hmm. And I don't think people realize that. that's one of the great things about I like about the Greek Orthodox tradition is that they practice fasting a lot. If, mm-hmm. if you get a chance, pull out the Greek Greek Orthodox. It's like a dietary calendar, and you can plug it in. That'll t- for every day it'll tell you what to eat or not. Today's a total fast day. Today, no cheese. It's kind of some of them are kind of weird. Like today's a no cheese, no wine day. Okay, you know, today's a no rabbit day. I think one of them's actually no rabbit. I don't know why. Uh, um, okay, but it doesn't matter because you're practicing. You're practicing fasting. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been a big believer my whole life. First the fast, then the feast. Hmm. And this is the this is where my athletics informs my spirituality, informs my athletics, informs my writing. First the fast. The dark, give me those dark nights of the soul. Let me climb back up. Let me stand back up. Yeah, I might get knocked down again, but I'm going to get back up after that. Um, because I have practiced my whole life of getting knocked down and getting back up. Uh, I think one of the best things about staying an athlete, the word athlete comes from one who strives for the prize, is that I've failed miserably in public. And a year later, come back gloriously and topped it. Uh, I have done poorly, mediumly, greatly, badly. Hor- you can throw in any lee you want. And I've done that as an athlete and coach. And you just keep, you just kind of keep going on. You keep coming back. You keep standing back up. Uh, you're not going to get everything right in life. You're, you're not. You're gonna, you're gonna make mistakes. And if you make mistakes and it's someone who, who means something to you, you know, you tell them you're sorry and you try try your best to move on. Uh, I do need one favor, Will. My accountant had to change my uh, tax day, so I'm going to have to bounce in a minute, okay? Yeah. Right. I will follow. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up. Is there just anything else on your mind that you'd like to bring up before we... I want I want to give you a chance just to tell about tell people how they can follow you, but just anything else first and in closing. Oh, sure. Uh, I hope I don't come across as negative or anything. I, I, I do see, you know, if you want easy answers, life is not a good place. To, <laughs> life can be tough, man. Life can be tough. Life can be a challenge. But if you have the courage to, you know, Sit back, look over how things went in your life, um, 
remind yourself this too shall pass sometimes and remind yourself, I just got knocked down. I'm going to get back up. So it, 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 some, it makes a lot of sense sometimes. And sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense. But perspective is the most important thing you can have as a human person. Uh, yeah. You might think things are bad now, but trust me, you know, when my, when my family had to exit certain parts of this world because of certain reasons, they had a lot worse than I do living here in Murray with, you know, uh, heat and food and water and all the rest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Perspective is the key. Well, what would you, what's your website? How would you like, I'll put a link in the show notes, but how should people follow you if they want well, to know more about what you have to offer and your coaching I, and so forth? I have a YouTube, a big YouTube presence. Just type in Dan John, I think. And then on Instagram, I'm coach Dan John, which is kind mm -hmm. of funny because uh, uh, an Italian clothing company has Dan John, uh, which is hilarious because everyone pings my pictures on them constantly, which I think is funny. <laughs> Because uh, I'm the least fashionable person I know, uh, and then uh, there's there's the site danjohnuniversity.com, and then everyone gets a free I think it's two week membership or something like that. Check it out. The workout generator by itself will help. It's really cool. You just type in what equipment you have, what you want to do, and it spits out perfect workouts for you. And I'm not I'm not I'm a I use it on the road when I go to a motel. I'll just say, okay. And it'll kick out a workout and be like, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I think, Stan, I, I appreciate the conversation.